welcome to another episode of Murder, Myth, and Mystery. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined here today with Mary. Hello. <laughs> and our guest host, Sarah. Hello. Hi there, Sarah. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Awesome. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for joining us yet again. Yeah, yes, thank of you. Of course. Fan wow. favorite. Always Fan happy to favorite. be here. Mary favorite. <laughs> Yeah, you stepped in when Mary <laughs> took her little leave and now stepping in for Janine. Yeah, so, I'm thank back. Thank you. <laughs> I'm back, bitches. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> she was actually just hanging outside waiting for yeah, us. Yeah, I actually she... sleep on their lawn most nights, <laughs> so just hoping for a chance. <laughs> her I big shot. Yeah, I Google stuff on my phone hoping for a chance. <laughs> One of the thousands who wait outside our door every yeah. day waiting for their chance to become a, a guest host on the just podcast. Just about murder, murder, <laughs> mystery. Yep. Do you remember well, you're probably too young to remember this. I don't know, but back, probably not. Uh, <laughs> but back when I was in high school, and there was a big concert. You would uh, when they announced the line. concert, you'd have to go and get uh, wristband. Oh yeah. yeah, and that would get you your spot for the day of the cell, yep. and then you could get like four tickets or something like that. Uh-huh. I think with the wristband. So you brought everyone you knew with you. you so you're you're like selling it. You're uh-huh. like, who wants tickets and who's going to give me what for these tickets? Kind of oh. deal. I remember the first time I went and waited in line was for Oingo Boingo. Oh, I got a wristband <laughs> for Boingo. Yeah, Boingo. For Boingo. Yeah, uh, their farewell show uh-huh. that they did. Yeah. yeah. That I was went great. with my parents. Just oh, to, wow. Yeah. I went with my girlfriend who had just broken up with me like two days before. Oh, boo. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone of our listeners caught what I said. I'm not about going to repeat Oing- it. About Ogo Pogo? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Dang it. I, I heard long, a long, long time ago about Eric's. She, if she's Girlfriend not in the story, yeah, she refuses to acknowledge that I've had previous <laughs> relationships. And not so if true. I tell a story at all, she's like, I'm bored. I'm not in the story. <laughs> It, it's kind of true. I may do that. No, well, fair. But that one's funny, so I do pay attention. It's funny because Eric was sad. <laughs> there were tears shed that was day. Was the same girl that you wrote the Paula Abdul lyrics? Oh, no. I never. No, that girl just didn't even pay, give me the time of day. That was in sixth grade for name. that girl. Uh, I don't even remember. I think it was Lisa something. It's probably yeah. my sister. I think it was Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> probably your sister. Probably. Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. No, I recorded. Uh, I, I got the Paul Abdul Forever Your Girl on tape oh, yes. and in sixth grade. Yeah, because I was obsessed with Paula. She was my girl. Uh-huh. She was forever my girl. <laughs> and this other girl really liked Paula a lot, but she hadn't got the album. So I made a copy of the album. And you remember how the old. Uh, cassettes when you get the blanks that they had like the the liner note thing like it had a huge fold out thing yeah, that would come with it i wrote all the lyrics handwritten in tiny little handwriting of every song the whole thing in there when sweet. i made the copy for so her nice. and she was like oh that's really nice thanks yeah no yeah eric so needless to say he kept his b card that day yeah yeah eric was perpetually in the, in the friend zone bitch that's not right nice right yeah no this was my uh this is a girlfriend that was uh that that that, as far as the oingo boingo thing she was my first girlfriend actually so Mm. yeah she had broken up with me like two days before yeah that was so awkward it was such a great show so it's okay so just ignore her and pay attention to the show right yeah Yeah. look at me now i don't know (laughs) (laughs) she's probably some big shot i don't know she went to private school 
Anyway. So she's a cokehead. I was yeah. just going to say, or she's like she actually a went drug to one addict. of those like she went to one of those like hippy dippy private schools where oh. they have like ten kids in the whole grade. Oh, kind of They might have a gotcha. chance at that private school. Yeah, yeah. I, don't I was going to say most private schools can just afford to party harder. Yeah. So. Right. No. Yeah. This one here, it was really expensive, and it was all like all the parents are like former hippies and shit like that. Oh, you know, sending their yeah. kids to the school. So yeah, mm. very new age, touchy feely. Let's probably a yoga teacher. Probably. That's awesome. Probably. Boy. Oh. Yeah. Good Nothing wrong with that, but yeah. <laughs> Sarah and I are lips. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. What, you got a problem with yoga teachers? Because no, uh, I, I love yoga. I do too, actually. It's the best. It is the best. Bryce is a yoga teacher. Bryce is a yoga teacher. She's badass. She is totally a badass. She just got another dog rescued. I another know. in dog. Good for oh. her. Love her to death. Uh, so, hey, uh, good big news. We had four new patrons this week holy smokes <laughs> holy smokes and at that all four of them were the ten dollar level oh gee yes Shut the front door yes so i want to say thank you to darian crosby okay huge shout out <laughs> and love to darian because this is uh michelle's daughter uh-huh. who hosted last week right um i used to babysit her <laughs> right Aww. so yeah michelle who hosted that she mentioned is a big geek and her daughter is even geekier than her and like add some sprinkles on top yeah she she takes the geek level to a whole other level cute little cosplayer oh yeah she's so stinking cute uh and then jennifer kelly so thank you jennifer thank you Mm -hmm. and then uh oh boy i'm gonna mess this up jen delia jen hold on it's french she told me she wrote me jen delisle Excuse me. Uh, and then... Thank you. Yeah, Jen. Sorry. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> you threw me she, off. She sent us a message. She's like, this is how it's pronounced. I'm like, oh, it's going to spell it. I'm like, I can do this. But I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, Jen Delisle. And then Danielle Contrell. Oh, wow. Thank you, Danielle. Yes. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of our patrons. You guys are so freaking cool. I have updated the patron page now officially uh, with the things that Mary talked about last week. So we mm-hmm. now do have the official $20 mark on there now, oh gosh, that's crazy. which is insane, but we do have had a couple people sign up to be on that mark. So, well, before we officially made it live, uh, those of you who have already put it that we will honor those obligations. Yes. That's for sure. So, and uh, then just remember that launches in July, the mm-hmm. new, um, the videos, videos, mm-hmm. the pictures, the behind the scenes and Q and A's and, uh, the discussion mini sets to a month. And the topics for July are going to be cults and um, secret, secret societies. Society. Yeah. Mm, I'm excited for that one. I'm really excited for that one. It's going to be good times. And then I just wanted to quickly talk about my post. If you're in the Facebook private group, you saw a post um, that I had written. It was like the longest post I have ever, ever done in my whole entire life. But it was about... Depression, suicide, and anxiety. You guys were so awesome in sharing your experiences and being supportive of one another. And it just makes me love you guys even more. There was one person who angry faced it and then she quickly left the group. (laughs) So bye. It's because of people like you that this is, you know, such a sensitive topic Mm -hmm. that no one wants to discuss it around you because you make them feel bad. Or weak or stupid. That's not the case. You know what I mean? Right. But um, we do have a new private group. It is called Weirdos with Issues. 
<laughs> Eric named it. I did. <laughs> so Amazing. Um, this is a safe group. There's no judgment. Come and share your experiences. If you're having trouble dealing with something, come and post it. Eric and I have been really fortunate enough to have people reach out to us and trust us to listen to them or to give some advice. And that's great. You know what I mean? I love that. But also get other people's opinions who are also suffering from this, too. Right. Um, no two people's experiences are the same. And how they deal with it. Right. I mean, there's some people use medications. Some use other means, like... Self-medicating. <laughs> yes. So this group, uh, Weirdos with Issues, find it, come join us, listen, be supportive, zero judgment. Um, people are in there. We've already had people talking about anxiety attacks, uh, PTSD. Manic depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, Losing a family member due to uh, suicide. Right, right. It's, yeah, if you do join, just bear in mind, it is a sensitive topic. We expect everybody to be sensitive to each other in that group. It's, I don't want to call it a support group, but it, it kind of is like a support group of sorts that it's for people to share their common experiences. It's okay to keep it lighthearted as well if you want to. You can post funny things in there if that's what you need to do. Somebody posted a cute little corgi thing and says four out of five doctors recommend this uh-huh. you know, to yeah, help so the blues or whatever. As long as it's along the topics, like I said, in the rules of the group, like if, it, if it's something funny because you have to laugh at it, right? Right. Right. You have to laugh at it or you will go insane. So right. if there's a funny meme out there making fun of anxiety, like, oh, I'd go out, but I have anxiety. I'm going to laugh at that. Right. I'll be that's like, yeah, like, that's true. Well, I totally relate to yeah. that. And of course, as they say, laughter is the best medicine, right? Well, yep. actually, no, medicine is the best medicine, but <laughs> laughter is a good medicine. How about that? So <laughs> I will never say prescribe you laughter, but uh, if I was a doctor anyway. But yeah, so I mean, if if it's a mental issue, please come join our group. Listen, share. Mary signed me up and I'm super excited. Yeah, Sarah's going to talk about some shit she dealt with. Truth. Yeah, postpartum. I've had my baby. Well, he's going to be a year old in a few days. Yeah. But man, postpartum's for real, guys. It's a bitch. It's rough. Mm. Yeah. But that among other things but i'm super excited it's just nice to have a safe space so i think think we all have our demons as much as a lot of people bottle it down and they don't want to accept it yeah we all have our internal demons we all have our struggles i don't think there's anybody who's you know 100 mentally healthy right you know what i mean as far as just like nope everything's peachy keen and rainbows and i never get the blues and everything you know it's it's yeah, everybody goes through it to some degree. But it's good to be able to talk about it and know that you're not weird. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It's like, you know, so many people suffer from these things and so many people experience this. Not to discount that and say that, you know, oh, everybody deals with this because that's not the case. But just to have a safe environment where people understand and people are welcoming and mm-hmm. oh absolutely yeah I mean, when i say like everybody judged. everybody goes through this i don't mean like oh you know no, but right. yeah cheer up buttercup jeez I'm, you know, <laughs> I've, I'm doing okay Turn and I, I, I got, yeah. Down. yeah exactly you know <laughs> jeez yeah, no go I, fuck yourself sorry yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly yeah oh come on you just need to look at some 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 kittens on the internet and that'll make you feel better and, yeah 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 no that's not what i'm getting at all i'm just saying hey it's okay that you're feeling sad and it's okay that you're feeling anxious or whatever else okay if you don't understand why yeah right exactly so many people feel guilt that they feel bad 
And I did. I felt, you know, when I, I when too. my depression hit, I felt yeah. so, I'm like, and I was, Sarah and I were talking right before yeah. we started recording if, that it hit me right when my son was born. So almost like yeah. a postpartum for me almost. Yeah. Yeah. It was like two weeks after he was born that I finally came to my conclusion that I needed help. Yeah. And I felt so guilty. I'm oh supposed to be God, strong. I'm supposed so to be happy. Hard. I'm supposed to be so happy. You, I've got this baby yeah. in my life and he's amazing and I love yeah. him so much. But I can't be happy, and yeah. and it's killing me. You know, I, I literally <laughs> don't remember the first two months of my baby being Aww. out and about. Like I, I remember it's not like a total blackout, right. right? But I was in such a trance, right? And I mean, my husband finally had to like pull me out of the funk and be like, "Hey, call your doctor. This isn't normal." Right. And I'm sitting there like crying, like, no, it's normal. I'm just it's tired. Fine. I'm just I'm tired. I'm not getting sleep. Yeah. yeah. But no. And, and something you said yeah. when we were talking off the air is you didn't want to be judged. Exactly. Like you were going to a doctor who helps people right. with this and you were but like I was afraid. So he was going, embarrassed. I yeah. was like, I'm not like I've got this perfect baby. It's it's I'm happy. I should I got be the perfect happy. life. Like what in the world? And I can't quit crying. And I bet your doctor's like, thank you for coming in. Uh, my doctor yeah. was like, oh my gosh, let's get you feeling better. You right. poor thing. And I was just like, oh, okay. That, that, that's how this works? Oh, yeah, perfect. Oh, you're not going to judge me? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not like, oh, shame on you for feeling this right. way. I'm honestly just What sad. kind of mother are yeah, you? Yeah, it just, it actually <laughs> makes me mad that I didn't do it quicker. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm so sad that I missed that first two months because I was in such a funk and just like, who am Like, just gone. It was like lights on, no one home. I have a question since I obviously don't have kids. Um, does it immediately happen? Is that the norm or? I didn't know. I mean, I think there was so much going on. Like, in theory, what happens is you've got so many hormones right when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you have the baby, your hormone level goes from like the highest it's ever been to nothing and that's supposedly what makes it's just this you have no hormones in your body as far as when it kicks in i mean sometimes it is like while you're in the hospital and sometimes it's like months afterwards like for me because i was in the hospital for about three days and it wasn't until about two and a half or three hours before we went home and all of a sudden it was like panic attack anxiety like and I mean, I think that's normal for a first right. time mom. I don't know how to be a mom. I, right. No, I didn't. And I, like, I didn't even know how to put him in his car seat. Like right. the nurse is sitting there like, no, no, you've almost got it. And I'm like, fuck, just help me. Like, don't <laughs> I sit just here go watch home. me. I just want to go home. <laughs> but no. And like, as we're pulling away from the hospital, I just burst into tears. And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I'm going to fuck this kid up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it wasn't even that. It was like. I just, I, I was like sad to see the hospital going and I'm like, oh my God. They took care of everything yeah, for well, me. <laughs> they, they did have exceptional, like I about called it room service. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just, it, it hit pretty quick, but I just, they don't talk about it enough. Like my husband and I went to all these classes and we're like, oh, we don't know anything about kids. So let's learn. Right. And they seriously just skirted over postpartum depression. <sighs> it was like, oh, if you're feeling suicidal, go ahead and call. And that was it. And it was like, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling suicidal, but I'm definitely down in the dumps. Right. Like, I don't want to leave the house. I'm terrified. That you didn't it, want any friends over. No, no, I didn't. It wasn't anything personal. <laughs> no, I know. Ellen, no, 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 no. I wasn't no, saying I, that. Like, friends, Larissa bitch. and I knew that. No, we're I like, know. She'd ask, because we would have yeah. plans, you and I would schedule. And, and then would we would cancel, cancel. every so single time. I had told Eric, yeah. I'm like, I think she's dealing with post. Oh, and, yeah. Like, I was asking my other friends who 
Like, I made the mistake, and I should have just came out and said it to you, but yeah. I know you're a very prideful woman. I probably would have been like, no. Yeah, and that's kind of what I figured. So I had yeah. asked my friends who I knew had it and coworkers, and I was like, should I, like, reach out more? And they're like, no, she just needs to deal yeah. with it on her own, and she'll get through it. Like, you know, she has right. her family and her husband, and so I was just like, okay, okay, okay. Oh, man. But, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, but even still, like, I'm, I'm on medication, like, doing much better. But even still, like, I, like last weekend, I was supposed to go to a good friend's bachelorette party, and I just had horrible anxiety. And, like, Jack wasn't feeling well, but it was something Brett could have taken care of. Right. And I just, I was like, nope, can't do it, can't leave the house, don't want to leave the house. Like, huge panic attack. And I ended up not going, and then I was so sad afterward. And it was like, come on. Yeah. Even it, with the medication, it, it's a even struggle. Even with the medication. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, I mean, but it's just, it helps to talk about. It's just knowing you're not in it alone. Right. Absolutely. Because it is so tucked under the rug all the time. Like, don't talk about this. Don't. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen. It's not real. And it's like, no, it I, is. I think it's finally, we're finally getting to a point in society yeah. where it, it's, Let's talk mental health. Well, it's really mm-hmm. sad that we're at that point because the point came up because of all the suicides. Right. 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 Anthony Bourdain, is, uh, and Kate, Kate Spade. Spade yeah. But along so with sad. a lot of others, but it's just an increasing number. In Utah, mm-hmm. it is high. It is mm-hmm. so yeah. high lately. But um, I think everyone thinks I have my shit together at work because when I mentioned <laughs> something about depression and anxiety, they, they laughed it off thinking like, oh, you... I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was a friend of a friend. Um, oh, my gosh. But I was working Saturday, and it just hits. Like, those who don't have anxiety, it just hits you. You could be the happiest moment of your life yeah. and just like, <gasps> but, um, yeah, I was just at work, and, like, like, my heart just started going, like, to town. And yeah, I went over to two of my to my friend coworkers. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I think, I think I'm going to die. That's always where I go to when I have anxiety. every single time. (laughs) (laughs) Every single time. And so like, I'm like, um, I am out of my medication. (laughs) And I'm like, will you just, will you just stroke my arm? Because that's what Eric does. Like, he'll just like take my arm and like deep massage it. And that calms me down. But I was so concerned about dying. And I'm like, listen. Here's the truth. I don't want to die in my work t-shirt because Saturdays I work super early. And so I just go in looking homeless. But I had like my company tee on and I'm like, this isn't what I want to haunt people in. You know what I mean? So I'm like, just change my shirt. There's like something in my car. Just go and get it or put my hoodie on. It doesn't have a brain. And I'm like, also drag me outside because I don't want to die in the building. And they're like, okay, okay. I mean, they're like being funny about it and like agreeing to this all but they're like okay deep breaths deep breaths but yeah like the the deep arm massage and the deep breaths ultimately helped me and they're like are you okay and i'm i was really embarrassed but luckily there's only a couple of people that work saturday so and they've never said it to anyone i don't think they ever would you know but they were really sweet in helping me out. Yeah. I mean, I have stories that could go on for days. Oh, yeah. Just anxiety, this, that, like my big central points of anxiety. For some reason, I'm convinced everyone's going to die all the time. Mm. And I think that stems from my mom. Right. Because right. my mother committed suicide, long story short. And, right. Yeah. But now I'm convinced every time my husband leaves the house, every time I'm out with the baby, like we're all going to die. Right. And the medications helped. Good. 
Yeah. So. Good. But I mean, it's it's for real. Like. Oh, it fucks with you. It fucks That's what with I said you. in it's... my post. Depression and anxiety. Yeah. Especially depression. It is a shady ass line fucking yeah. bitch. Yeah. It tells mm-hmm. you you're not worth it, but oh, you are. Yeah. Right. One last thing before we jump in. Yes. To murder. With my anxiety <laughs> stuff, I, I want to throw this out here and maybe some of our listeners maybe can comment on the on the page or on you know, different social net, uh, networking pages that we have. Um, when my anxiety attacks are about to kick in, I can tell when they're about oh, to yeah. kick in because I taste metal. Interesting. Isn't that weird? I've never heard that before. I uh, wish I could have like some sort of a notification. Uh-huh. I think I'm such a mess that I don't even pay attention. Like I feel like I'm such a whirlwind right, right. now that I wouldn't even notice. Right. But I wonder. That's interesting. You know, and it, what's funny is uh, there's an old REM song in which uh, they say, uh, what is it? Aluminum tastes like fear. Yeah. In this song. Um, and, and I was like, it yeah, it, it does. Ta- alu- it, and that's what it, t- it tastes like in my mouth is like a metal, like aluminum or, so, or zinc or something like that, that I get this taste in my mouth of metal so right before my anxiety attacks yeah. kick in. So, like, if I taste that, I'm like, all right, I got to take a Xanax. I got to get on top of this thing. Well, and I'm not even allowed to have Xanax because I'm breastfeeding still. Right. It's a good, it it works for me. I I can't say for everybody else, but for me, and I don't even have to take, like, a huge dose either. Right. Yeah, like, one pill does, the take, like, the 25 milligram or whatever it is. I've had Xanax. I mean, sorry, this is another segue. Kind of funny story is... My sister and I, when we were young, my mom, like, I mean, teenagers PMSing, whatever, my mom would be like, oh, just sh- take a happy pill. We never knew what they were. It was Xanax. My mother was giving, was giving us Xanax. <laughs> and I'm like, well, kudos to you, mom. Like, we were little bitches. But she, and she don't Your mom it. was front line for mental health. Yes. <laughs> And okay, and to be fair, my mom was a registered nurse. Right. But yeah, she would give us like a half of these. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're the Zanny bars. I don't know. <laughs> but she would give us a half a pill and call them the happy pills. And I called them that until like well into my 20s. That's brilliant. And, but I was like, when I figured it out, I was like, my mother was dosing us with Xanax. That's amazing. She's brilliant. She would send us to junior high on Xanax. Oh, which is tough because it makes me sleepy. It makes me sleepy too, but like the half a pill, just perfect. You're just like, no, no, no. Like you... (laughs) I'm beautiful. I love life. You're cool. You're cool. Well, fuck you, but everyone else is cool. But no, I mean, it was just like when I figured that out, it was like, Jesus, mom. That is amazing. I have the smallest (laughs) dose of Xanax because I I don't like taking pills, but also I'm, I react very well to medication. So I have the baby. (laughs) My doctor calls it the baby Xanax. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I hardly use it. So he gives me a prescription of 30 and I, think i still have a few left and that was right. like a two-year prescription <laughs> so yeah it's the last time we got it filled and yeah we luckily still have, luckily so. with my anxiety and stuff it, it's not an everyday thing yeah. right and you know I, luckily and there's not triggers or anything like that it's just yeah. oh there you are I'm like oh this there is fucking awesome yeah. great timing all right i find that if i am hung over at all Mm. My anxiety is through the roof. Mm. I'm yeah. sure stress and stuff like that can yeah, trigger it as well. But it's yeah, so weird. And I mean, that's more 
like again with the postpartum right before i was pregnant didn't happen but yeah i don't know who knows who knows anyway if anybody else has experienced the metallic taste in their mouth let us know yeah i'm interested maybe i'm just a weirdo i don't know maybe me and uh and and mike mills from uh from rem are the only two that uh because he's the one that wrote that line i think the aluminum tastes like fear that's so interesting (laughs) so Yeah. yeah i don't know anyway uh so, that being said, let's jump on in here. Mary. Yeah, so I have murder again. Whoop, whoop. Because last week I was filling in for Janine. Now you're filling in for Mary. So now I'm back on schedule. Now you're back. I'm back. Today I'm going to be talking about the murder of Skylar Niece. Skylar was born on February 10th, 1996 in Morgantown, West Virginia. She was the only child born to Dave and Mary Niece and was a total daddy's girl. When Skylar was eight, she met Sheila Edie, and they became immediate friends and were actually thick as thieves. We're now going to jump ahead a little bit to high school. Their freshman year, they met Rachel Schulf, and their duo quickly went to being a trio. They were like best friends from the get-go. Um, if they weren't with each other, they were texting or talking on the phone to one another. Now, Skylar was an honor student with a 4.0 GPA, and this is really impressive if you take into consideration her having a part-time job and an active social life. That is impressive. I was maintaining like a 2.7. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my God, Good for you in that C average. I right. hey, was a solid C student. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I got my diploma. Shit, yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> Anyways, not all was well, though, as seen in some of her vague tweets. From Skylar, uh, she would post that um, some of the following tweets. There's something about you I can't stand. Hope you don't expect me to give a shit anymore. So she's not tweeting these, like, she's tagging tweeting, anybody. She's not it's tagging just, anyone just, that's all or she's adding saying. anyone. Yeah. Hmm. So hope you don't expect me to give a shit anymore. Hashtag bye. You doing shit like this is why I will never trust you. And again, no one was tagged or mentioned. So who were these going to? So almost so a lot of vague posting mm-hmm. here. Okay. Yeah. On July 5th, 2012, Skylar came home after her shift at Wendy's. She walked in, gave her parents hugs, and told each one of them that she loved them and went to bed. That was her last night her parents would see her. On July 6th, her dad saw that her bedroom door was still closed. He called out to her. And when she didn't answer, he walked in, and that's when he saw that the bed hadn't been slept in. He called his wife, asking if she had seen Skylar, which she hadn't. In searching her room, he found that the window had been left ajar, just enough to get your fingers under and lift it up. He also found the window screen was in her closet. When he was investigating outside, he found a bench used to climb in and out of the window, and it looked like with everything the way it was, that she planned on coming back. She left her phone charger, uh, her contact solution, and again, the window was left ajar. Although worried and scared, the police weren't notified until 4 p.m. that day. That's when Wendy's called her to see if she was coming into her shift today. They called 911 and informed them that their daughter was missing. Skylar was initially thought to be a runaway, and an Amber Alert was not put out. 
Family, friends, and neighbors were notified that Skylar was missing. Then the mom remembered that the apartment complex had surveillance cameras around the units. When the footage was retrieved, there was 16-year-old Skylar at 12.30 a.m. climbing out her window and crossing the street to get into the back seat of an idling four-door sedan. Then it drove off into the night. Well, when the footage got out there, Skylar's mom, Mary, received a call from Sheila. She had said she had to tell her the truth about that night. She says Skylar snuck out to meet her and Rachel, and they drove around town getting high for an hour, and then they dropped her off at the end of the road where she walked back to the apartment complex. Well, of course, people started making up theories on what could have happened. Um, Some people thought maybe that she was walking back alone late at night and got kidnapped. Uh, Did she meet up with someone she knew, or did she meet up with a complete stranger she may, may have met online? Did she maybe go to a party after she was dropped off and perhaps accidentally died from drinking or an overdose and they just didn't know what to do with the body? Just so many theories running out there. Skylar's parents were, of course, devastated. They made flyers and they posted online and they were just talking to anything and everyone you know what I mean, in trying to find their daughter. Uh, They took to the news outlets. They started a Facebook group for support to get any tips and sightings of their daughter. Her dad made daily videos pleading with her to come home. They loved and missed her. And they were saying that, you know, if she comes home, she's not going to be in trouble. They just want her back. Sheila and Rachel were also sad and at a loss and couldn't understand where their friend was after they had dropped her off, right? Mm-hmm. Sheila even went over to Skylar's house asking Mary if she could go into her room. Um, there she sat down on Skylar's bed and cried for her missing friend, hoping she would come home. Skylar's mom hugged and held the poor little girl who was crying over missing her best friend. Sheila was very active on social media, pleading with her friend to come home. One post said, I want my best friend back. Now, in regards to the investigation, the police were suspicious of the girls and their story. When they were told to tell their version of the stories of that night, both of them had the same exact story down, even to the smallest of details. This isn't normal. Mm -hmm. It's a huge warning bell. Rachel was very active in the school drama club and had the lead in a lot of school plays. And one of the officers said it almost seemed like she was playing the role in reciting a script that she had memorized. Mm. Sheila was very straightforward and to the point, not veering anywhere from her story. One post on Facebook from Sheila said, All I want is for my best friend to come home. I wish I knew something to give the police a lead or so she can come home, but I don't know anything. I'd do anything to have her right now, and I wish I knew something like everyone thinks I do. Come home, Skylar. It's been five weeks too long. I miss and love you. Skylar's dad, Dave, replied to the post with, Hang tough, babe. Don't let things get you down. Love you. Mm-hmm. It even seemed like Sheila taunted the police with her tweets and Facebook posts. There are a few different ones out there, but there's one that caught my eye. It said, wonder if there's a Law and Order SBU where they don't figure it out. Please, lady, Olivia Benson, 
she knows her shit. She's, yeah. Okay. She's on. If she's on the case, it's getting solved. If she's on the case, whatever. It's iced tea. He solves everything. <laughs> um, now the police had told Skylar's parents that they actually suspected Sheila, but her parents said she was grieving and to leave her alone. She had just lost her best friend. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Rachel and Sheila said that they drove around town getting high in the car. Well, it turned out that this was a lie. Are you guys surprised? What? <laughs> Police pulled every surveillance video from the stores, from like storefronts to gas stations, and they caught a lucky break. They were able to catch the car at a time when the girls said that they were home. And they also pulled cell phone details and their phones were pinging towers across the state line. Uh, when they pulled their cell records and got their text information, they noticed something very interesting. The day after Sheila, or Scott, sorry, Skylar disappeared, Rachel and Sheila never mentioned Skylar anymore in any of their text messages, which is odd, right? Like, mm-hmm. your best friend is That's gone? That's really weird. Right. It's when the police told the parents again that there's new evidence and that the stories that the girls gave just don't match up to the evidence is when they started believing them and took to Facebook with their vague karma Facebook post. Friends, family, and total strangers were putting peer pressure on the girls to talk. A couple of posts were, karma is going to catch up with you and pretty little liars keep on lying. The girls volunteered to take a polygraph test. The results, are you wondering? Sheila completely failed. She failed so hard, like capital F in red, bold. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're wondering how Rachel did, well, on the way to take it, she actually jumped out of a fucking moving car because she was so nervous in taking it, and she decided she didn't want to do it and changed her mind. So she... Jumped out of the car her wow. dad was driving to the police station. Nothing. I would call innocence. that a. I would call that a capital F as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. It was six months after the disappearance, and Rachel had a mental breakdown. She freaked out one night, gave her mom a black eye, and was running around the house and neighborhood screaming. You can actually hear this on the nine one one call her mother made. She then barricaded herself in her room. The police came and her parents admitted her to a psych hospital on suicide watch. Immediately after her release, she was driven to the police station. Rachel confessed that her and Sheila plotted to kill Skylar. They plotted months in advance in their science class on how to do it. Rachel was the one to rush up the murder as soon as possible because she had to go to church camp. Yeah, I said church camp. <laughs> oh my guys, god! You guys' expressions were perfect. Oh my god! <laughs> um, oh. I'm not sure how Jesus feels about this, but all right. Um, maybe that was her way of fixing everything. You going to church? Like that was her some repension. hail marys, yeah. and you're good to go. Like I got, we, we wow. gotta do the murder so I can go and repent. It, right. A week's worth of church camp. Yeah. Oh Holy my shit! God. Okay. <laughs> All right. She went on to say her and Sheila picked up Skylar at 1230 in Sheila's car. They then headed north along Route 19, where they changed their direction when they saw a police car hanging outside a gambling joint and then used an alternate road to Blacksville, West Virginia. 
they finally arrived at their destination, which was just across the state line in Pennsylvania. They went to a spot they had been to before and they liked to hang out at just to smoke marijuana. Sheila parked the car and then they all walked over to the grassy area to sit and hang out. That's when they realized they had forgotten a lighter. So Skylar said she would go back to the car to get it. Little did she know the girls got up as well and they took the kitchen knives out of their hoodie pockets. <gasps> they counted the three as they talked. One, two, three. And they started stabbing Skylar in the back. She started to run. But Rachel was able to tackle her to the ground where the girls continued to stab her. Skylar was able to get one of the knives away and was able to cut Rachel's knee. Rachel stopped after that, but Sheila continued to stab her. She stabbed her until the sound of the gurgling from her neck stopped. Oh my god. So, she had 50 stab wounds. Oh, oh my god. Holy shit. Yeah. The girls went and retrieved the items they brought with them from the trunk. They dragged the body over to a creek and started to dig. But um, eventually they realized it was just too hard, you guys. Yeah. The dirt was too hard and it was rocky. So they had yeah, to change their plans. Hard. I know, right? Oh, so they decided to cover a body with the surroundings. They used branches, rocks, and dirt to hide Skylar. They went back to the car, wiped themselves down with the wipes that they brought, changed into their extra clothing, got into the car, and some long, somewhere along the lines, they disposed of the clothing and knives. Then they went home like nothing happened. In fact, the next day, Rachel actually went out boating with her mom and a family friend. The images of her smiling and having a good time like nothing happened and not a care in the world, pretty disgusting, knowing oh. what she had done the night before. When they asked Rachel why they killed Skylar, ah. she said, because we didn't want to be friends with her anymore, we just didn't like her. That... There's <sighs> better ways. Yeah, th I mean, you can ghost them. I don't know. Yeah, just you stop know. answering their phone calls. Yeah, quit calling me, bitch. I don't know, Unfriend whatever. them on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a big one. Like, Block their messages uh, on your phone. We didn't want to be friends with her anymore. Right. God. What? I know, it's how, hard to take in. How, These girls uh, the are fact 16. that both of them. Yeah. The, the fact that both of them are like, yep, this is what you do. This is the way to handle this, this problem. Yeah murder that'll solve it yeah but she yeah i guess that would but that seems a bit extreme yeah so guess what guys even with her confession they couldn't arrest rachel no body no evidence and they needed something a little more concrete what? like sheila's confession now rachel left the police station wearing a wire but was never able to get sheila to say anything incriminating and just a few things about the confession, because I can see questions on your face. <laughs> Rachel did try to take them to the body, but it wasn't there. Let me explain. Apparently, Sheila had gone back and moved it. Sometimes she would take Rachel with her and they would then move it again. But when she took the police there, it was in a different location. However, they found it on January 16th. 2013 and a press release came out saying that the body found in southwestern pennsylvania was identified as skylar niece 
Her body was 30 miles from her home. Oh, my God. Sheila tweeted, rest easy, Skylar. You'll always be my best friend. Wow, still playing it up. The police got a warrant and searched Rachel's home and came across her journal. In it, on the day after Skylar's disappearance, she wrote the following. God help me. What happened that night is between you and I. Please forgive me for all these lies. So what about Sheila? Right? Right. Well, the police were successful in matching blood droplets found in Sheila's trunk to Skylar's blood. To say that the police were excited about this is an understatement. Like, wow, they were ecstatic. Sheila had been keeping to her story and they were finally able to crack it wide open. They tracked her down and she was leaving Cracker Barrel after having breakfast with her mother and they arrested her right there and then in the parking lot walking to her car. Skylar's parents, Mary and Dave, had to deal with more heartache, as you can imagine, because the murderers were yeah. Skylar's best friends. Right. Wow. One of which had come over the day and after and her. cried like, in her room and these everything. These girls had been over wow. at their place for numerous sleepovers. They treated them like their own. This was a whole nother level of pain. And then it came out as anger with all their lies and deceit. Wow. So what made these best friends team up and kill their other best friend? Other than the reason we just didn't like her, they haven't given a reason. But there is one major truth out there that could have caused the murder. One night, all three girls were having a slumber party over at Rachel's house. They were drinking, and then later on, Rachel and Sheila had sex with each other. Oh. Skylar didn't know what to do, but just sat there in the room while this happened because she didn't want to leave the bedroom because she was afraid that she'd get caught by Rachel's mother. They were drinking, also sex. Right. Um so she stayed in the room. Is this true? Oh. Yes. Skylar had told one of her friends about it afterwards and even wrote it down. To the detail in her diary, which uh, her mom read after the disappearance. Oh, so her mom was aware that the girls, that they had done this? Okay. Well, after After Skylar's mom, yeah. Yeah. So maybe her vague tweet saying, I'd tell the whole school all the shit I have on everyone, which is a lot. Hashtag, if I could get away with it. And another one just said, just know, I know. Mm. So obviously they were... They were obviously having issues right. with each other. But yeah, she still went out and hung out with them to go get high with mm-hmm. them and everything else. Yeah. So, I mean, is was it, were the girls feeling threatened? You know what I mean? Right. One, so there was a newspaper reporter who was working with a family informant. And he was saying that the informant found out that Skylar had videotaped them, recorded them, oh. having sex. And that she was blackmailing them to be her friends. But everyone who knows Skylar was like, no, that's not her. Like, that probably would have made her really uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, there was never no truth of that. And I'm sure by now a video or a file. Something, something, something. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So, again, I'm going to say uh, one of Skylar's tweets. It was her last tweet on July 5th at 7.48 p.m. And she said, you doing shit like that is why I will never completely trust you. Just another vague tweet again. Mm. 
On May 1st, 2013, Rachel pleaded guilty to second degree, which is murder unlawfully, uh, willfully, maliciously, and intentionally causing the death of Skylar by stabbing her and causing fatal injuries. In the plea agreement, the state of West Virginia recommended a sentence of 20 years of incarceration. The judge then reminded everyone that a plea agreement was just that, only a recommendation and not binding, and he gave Rachel a 30-year sentence. Good for him. With a possibility of parole in 10 years. Hmm. Rachel's family issued a public apology for her actions through her attorney. Sheila was indicted by a grand jury on September 6, 2013, with one count of kidnapping, one count of first-degree murder, and one count of conspiracy to commit murder. Sheila pleaded not guilty to these charges. The date of the trial was set January 28, 2014, but on January 24th, four days prior to the trial, Sheila changed her not guilty plea and pleaded guilty to a first-degree murder with mercy. As a result, Sheila was sentenced to life imprisonment with parole eligibility after she served 15 years. Wow. Wow. Yep. So that's interesting that she got, she was charged with first degree. Of course, the other one was a plea deal, I'm guessing. That's probably why they were doing second degree murder instead of first degree on on her. So I wanted to go back to the Amber Alert. Remember how I said it wasn't issued? Mm -hmm. And that's because Skylar's disappearance didn't meet the circumstances. And that's four different criteria that you have to meet. One, that a child is believed to be abducted. Two, the child is under 18. Three, the child may be in danger of death or serious injury. And four, there is sufficient information to indicate that an Amber Alert would be actually helpful in this scenario. Hmm. A waiting period of 48 hours has to um, go by before a teenager is considered missing. So keep in mind, at this point, they all thought she was a runaway. Right. Which, I mean, hey, 16-year-old girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, a state legislator didn't like that and introduced a bill called Schuyler's Law. The new bill was to modify the current West Virginia Amber Alert plan to issue immediate public announcements when any child is reported missing and in danger, regardless whether or not if the child is believed to have been kidnapped. On March 27, 2013, the West Virginia House of Delegates approved Schuyler's Law with a 98-0 vote. On April 12, 2013, the West Virginia Senate voted yes on it. And in May 2013, the government signed it, or the governor signed it and made it a law. Good. Good. So if you're interested in the story, there is a lot out there because it's a newer story, not that many years old. Her parents were on Dr. Phil. There was a segment on 2020 called Unfriended. There was an episode on Snapped and even, um, trying to think, Investigation Discovery. So if you want to follow up on it. So... <laughs> You guys remember how I said they counted down before they stabbed her, right? Right, yeah. Well, I wanted to end my story on a tweet from Sheila. One month before she was arrested, she tweeted, We really did go on three. Mm. Chills, right? Mm. Mm -mm. Damn, dude. 
And this is why I'm glad I don't have a teenage daughter. <laughs> this is why I'm glad we don't have teenage daughters. Yeah. Right? Eric thank, wanted thank a daughter. God for boys. I wanted a little girl. I didn't want a teenage girl, though. Well, <laughs> okay, so you mentioned, like, the pretty little liars. Yeah. Right. So, and I mean, I get that, like, sociopaths, it's not, it doesn't happen at a certain age. Mm-hmm. But I mean, their actions, that's what it screams to me is like, that is sociopath. That's crazy time. Right. Right. But I mean, you wonder, like, are these shows like Pretty Little Liars, like making it glamorous to them? I haven't seen Pretty Little Liars, so I don't know what it's about. I'm assuming it's about a bunch of teenage girls who murder (laughs) their friend. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I mean, it it just I mean, not that. It's just a thought. I was well, no, and, and I think that's a valid thought. But then that comes along to where parents get all angry right. when their kids go crazy and they start blaming like radio Media. and yeah. TV, movies, video games. Does that plant a seed? Maybe, but we yeah. still. How many other people listen to that or play that game that don't go out and do that? No, exactly. Because I mean. I've watched Pretty Little Liars, as <laughs> embarrassing as that might be. <laughs> I heard it's good. I haven't finished it. I've watched way too many episodes of it, though. But, I I mean, I never got the urge to go out and kill my best friend. That's right. good. Yeah. That's good. Good for I, you. Good for me, right? <laughs> I fought those urges. But, it, it, it's crazy because, like, after, you know, it came out to who they you know, the killers were like students came forward and like, oh, yeah, we overheard them making plans of murdering someone. We just thought they were kidding. Well, like if I ever heard anyone just over talking in the corner about and murdering you said they someone, were planning it in science class, yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. insane. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I don't think a TV show brought that on because we didn't want to be friends with her anymore. But it, yeah, it's just crazy. Like, oh. there's still been no additional details on why. That's basically still the same reason. We just didn't want to be friends with her. You would think at this like point her. they would maybe, like, okay, here's the real reason. Unless I mean, they truly are embarrassed yeah. about their sexual feelings. I mean, the one was going to church camp. Mm-hmm. So, that's true. I mean, there yeah. is that. So, hey, I don't know. <laughs> I deserve this blueberry. <laughs> Taste the rainbow. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be that loud. Oh. You opened it literally like six inches from the it microphone. Was on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's my story. Great job, Mary. Yeah, what is sad, huh? It is sad. It's, it's crazy. So sad. I just I feel like it should have been avoided. Like, quit hanging out with her. Don't kill right? her. It's so sad. Logic escapes people somehow i don't there was a book written too with the help of the parents but um it was basically the i saw an interview with the author they're like things you can do like get to know your friends like who are your kids i was like that's common fucking sense but i mean look at all these people who go and do mass shootings at schools yeah no like for the most part they're like oh we you know we didn't we had oh, no yeah, idea. Yeah, we had no idea. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, everybody around them's like, oh, they were kind of a loner and kind of a weirdo. Oh, and yeah, their Instagram post is full they of They were guns. super crazy. Yeah. And, it's like, hmm. and I was like, yeah, I'm agreeing. Be more involved with your kids. God. But at the same time, I'm like, <coughs> excuse me, when you were a kid, like, how well did your parents know your friends? Right. 
Yeah. yeah mine, mine knew my friends pretty good, but not in any of my teenage years. Yeah. I, it's almost like I purposely kept my friends away from my parents when I was a teenager, yeah. I think. My parents knew my good friends, but... Like, there were other friends that they had no idea I who they were. I had questionable friends. Oh, I did too. <laughs> I, I believe Sarah over that statement that you're wearing. <laughs> Your questionable friend wasn't a Boy Scout? <laughs> My, I had questionable friends, okay. I, I, I was a rebellious teenager to a degree. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, sorry if I slurred a lot. I have two canker sores. Nice. Not one, but two. One, two. Uh, uh, uh. uh. (laughs) Indeed. Okay, sorry. Two myths. All right. All right. So today's myth is actually not one, but two cryptids. (laughs) Two, two cryptids. They both hail from the continent that flat earthers have determined must not exist because it doesn't fit on the ridiculous map. The mystical land where everything wants to kill you and Vegemite is considered edible. None other than Australia. Dun, dun, dun. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Australia over the last year. So it's a it's a magical world full of weirdness and Uh and people driving metal contraptions that want to kill everybody. Wait, no, that's Mad Max. Sorry, I get it mixed up. Sorry. All right, so this first one is more of a tradition than an actual cryptid, though. Now, as I'm sure we're all aware, Australia is the home to way more bizarre animals than should be possible. Oh, I was going to say serial killers. <laughs> no, they don't have that many serial killers. They just have it, some, Adelaide does, but like, yeah, terrifying Adelaide. snakes. Everything, yeah, spiders. everything. It's every, yeah. just it's the animals really that Koalas kill you there. Right, right, right. What? So, well, we're gonna get into They're that here. Sexual deviants. <gasps> you are spoiling here. Oh, I'm being airy. Jeez. Dang it. So, yeah, obviously, way more bizarre animals than should be possible, from kangaroos to the platypus, which is a slap in the face to nature, with it being an egg-laying, semi-aquatic mammal that more resembles a duck than a mammal. Hey, where's Perry? (laughs) I can't do the sound. I really wish I could. I love that show. Anyway, uh, when most people think of unique Australian animals, they probably think of one of four animals. The kangaroo, the platypus, Tasmanian devil, or the koala. Of those four, the koala is probably the one that most people just want to carry around and hug all the time. However, how can you not fall for those fluffy, lazy little herbivores? They're fucking adorable. Except for the whole massive koala chlamydia outbreak, anyway. Good God. What? It's estimated, actually, that somewhere around like 90% of koalas in some areas there have chlamydia. Yeah, it's not the same strain as as humans. It's a different kind of strain. But oh, it's actually quite sad. But if they treat them, then it's very, yeah. like humans. It's just antibiotics. Give them some penicillin. And Seriously, yeah, antibiotics. And you're wow. good to go. Yeah. Send them up the tree. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Good day. Give them some little koala good rubber. Die. Give them koala rubbers. I don't know. <laughs> Protect yourselves, little guys. Show them on a banana. Right, yeah. (laughs) With their mouths. Oh, wait. (laughs) Great. Sorry. I'm sorry. Now, if you were to visit Australia and happen to visit a local pub for a nice cold Foster's, the locals may tell you to watch out if you plan on doing any hiking in the area. You see, there's a fierce creature that lives in the trees just waiting for its next unsuspecting victim to walk by. Once their prey is directly below them, bam, they pounce. First, they disorientate their prey (laughs) by landing on their head. Then they attack by biting the neck. If small enough, the prey will be pulled back up the tree to be eaten. 
If you were the unlucky recipient of such an attack, you just fell victim to the legendary Drop Bear. Resembling a koala, but about twice the size and orange or red in color, the Drop Bear is seen as a carnivorous version of the gentle koala. They'll drop as far as 30 feet from their tree to attack and are ruthless when they do, tearing and shredding with little difficulty. You can protect yourself, though. You can take a scoop of Vegemite or toothpaste and rub it behind your ears. The I'll smell, the the smell yeah. will deter the vicious beast. You can also take forks and stick them in your hair facing upwards. That way, you've got a sharp defense against the falling drop bear. A doppelganger. Or also, no, what is it called? The drop bear. What? Oh, uh, the... the, the uh, Oh, oh, I just forgot it. Ariel. Ariel, yeah. Oh. Thingamajig. No. I don't remember. Anyway. Sorry. Doesn't matter. Nope. So, Forget also, it. you just fell victim to Australia's version of the jackalope. It's become somewhat of a tradition for the locals to warn na- naive tourists of the dangers of the drop bear, just to see the look of terror and confusion on their face. <laughs> it's not so much a cryptid because the locals don't really believe they actually exist. It's all just good fun at the expense of the tourists. Now, this next critter, on the other hand, well, he's got some roots down under. The aboriginal peoples of Australia have many interesting creatures in their folklore many of which are seen as being part of what they call the dreaming, which was the time before time, basically the creation of all things. The dreaming can get a bit complicated because it actually takes on many different meanings to them. As the stories of creatures of the dreaming were told in various aboriginal tribes over the centuries, new stories were created along the way, some of them as parables and others as warnings. The creature I'm about to talk about falls more into the warnings category. Hiding in the branches of fig trees of southeastern Australia, you will find one of the most bizarre cryptids I have ever come across. The Yara Okay, I knew I was going to screw this up. The Yarama Yahu stands about four feet tall, but don't let his short stature fool you. He's covered in red fur. And when I say red, I don't mean like red human hair that is more orange. I mean a true red. He also has a disproportionately large head with big bulging eyes and a massive toothless mouth. Now, you may be wondering just how threatening a toothless creature can really be. Well, it's not his bite you have to worry about. He has long arms and his fingers are more like octopus tentacles with suckers on the ends of them. The Yaramayahu will sit in his fig tree, sometimes for hours, just waiting for a person to come by and rest in the shade of the tree. Once their unsuspecting prey have arrived, the Yaramayahu will drop down and latch his finger suckers onto the victim and start sucking their blood through his fingers. The Yaramayahu is incredibly strong, so trying to escape his clutches is futile. But if he doesn't kill his prey, or excuse me, he doesn't kill his prey, He leaves just enough blood to keep you alive, but you are now drained of energy and you pass out from the blood loss. He then dislocates his jaw like a snake and opens his mouth ridiculously large and swallows you whole head first. He then goes to the river, drinks some water to wash down his tasty meal, and takes a nap because that has just been way too exhausting. When the Yaramayahu wakes up from his nap, he regurgitates his meal, who is oh. still alive, and oh. he climbs back up his tree to wait for his next meal. 
As far as the victim goes, their skin is now a slightly reddish hue, and they'll find that they are now a little bit shorter than they were before. Though you survived the attack, your ordeal is not over. The Yaramayahu will now prefer to feed on you going forward. So you now have a target on your back, so to speak. If he catches you again, you will go through the same process all over again and you'll find that you come out of it even more red and even shorter than before. Each time you go through it, you get shorter and shorter and more and more red until eventually you become a Yaramayahu as well. Destined to live in the fig tree, sucking blood through your fingers and swallowing people while just to, or excuse me, swallowing people whole just to throw them back up after wow. your nap. Wow. Really? <laughs> really? But that makes no sense that you get shorter. Yeah, that of the myth makes no sense right? to me. The only defense against the Yaramayahu attack is to not go outdoors during the day. They do all of their hunting during the day and sleep at night. So have fun living a nocturnal life from now on. Mm. Huh. Mm hmm. So that's the part that doesn't make sense is you're getting a little shorter, <laughs> not turning like- red, not actually turning into a Yaramayahu or his ridiculously huge head Ooh. with that can swallow you whole while he sucks blood through his fingertips or anything like that. It's the. Getting a little shorter. Yeah, thanks for the recap there. Um, yeah, the getting a little shorter. Huh. Is this because you're worried about getting a little shorter? Yeah, maybe. You, you really couldn't stand to get a whole lot shorter. I mean, shorter. it sounds like you could easily avoid him if you go out in the day. Well, okay, maybe not the first time. Like, first time, whoops on me. But second time... Stay away from fig trees. Yeah, yeah. stay away from fig trees. Don't walk that same... Oh, he doesn't just stay in that one tree. He'll he'll move around to different trees. Yeah, but still, I mean, you can avoid a fig tree, right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe fig trees are everywhere in that oh, area region. Yeah, I don't know. True. I don't know. Mm. Anyway. Why- so he has to see you, right? Well, yeah. He's, then got- he's like, oh, there's that little red short-headed bastard that I right. sucked. Right. Do you think it's... You Could you carry shorter? an umbrella? Well, no, do you think you get shorter so it's easier for him to, like... You get, get shorter because you're turning into a Yaramayahu. Okay, yeah. But then he can get you in his mouth easier, too. That's true. That mm-hmm. is true. It is easier to get into your mouth. Anywho, that's my bears. My friend just got back from Australia, and yeah. he was saying that um, the drop bears were fake because I was talking about them because someone posted it on uh-huh. the page. And he's like, that's like the Utah snipe hunting. Oh, I totally went snipe hunting. You did? Yeah, my mom made me go snipe hunting, and I was probably on Xanax. (laughs) (laughs) Probably because I bought it on Happy Pills. Yeah, all of us were on Happy Pills. It was a great time. Tell our listeners who aren't from Utah what a snipe is. It's not a Utah thing. It's it's an American thing. I thought it was a a Utah thing. I'm pretty sure it's outside of Utah as well. Wow. I mean, if it's not, I don't know, and maybe for international listeners, but it's a tradition that when you take somebody camping for like the first time or whatever else, uh, it doesn't even have to be the first time, but it's just somebody maybe is a little naive about the outdoors <laughs> that you you tell them, all right, we're going to go snipe hunting tonight. And, uh, you know, it, I'm trying to think. I mean, it varies from person to person of how you tell the story, but. But you use flashlights. Yeah, you use flashlights and you know, like you go and throw through the woods. Basically, you end up ditching them out in the woods and making oh, sure yeah, that no, they my get mom lost. Didn't and, do that. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's pretty. 
I mean, it's harmless other than the fact that somebody can get lost in the yeah. damn woods or whatever. But yeah, you, you, they make up calls for him that you're supposed uh-huh. to do to attract the snipe yeah. and all the other shit, you know. Yeah, you got to catch them, but you got to watch how they can bite or yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Everything but the ditching is, yeah, they didn't ditch us in the woods, but. Right. Because we were like five and six. You guys could have been Hansel and Gretel's story. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. A Gretel and Gretel. Oh. oh. A Gretel and Gretel. Well, it was her sister. Yeah. Yeah. But Gretel and Gretel. I don't know. I couldn't think of another German name off the top of my head. Gretel and Hildegard. Oh, there you go. Uh, my favorite witch from Bullwinkle. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, the there's a lady who works at the <gasps> at our grocery, at, at our grocery store. store who looks like those that witch. Oh. Yeah, she's cute. Oh no, she's not from Bullwinkle. She's from Looney Tunes, isn't she? No, she's from the old school. Oh Bullwinkle yeah, she was stories. on the Bullwinkle ones. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Anywho. <sighs> yeah. Snipe hunting. Yeah. Snipe hunting. Snipe hunting and happy pills. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think I might, I might revisit that, Mary, if you can hook me up with some happy pills. <laughs> oh. That's awesome. All right. So, Sarah, you've got our mystery today, right? I sure do. So, I'm doing a listener request which is the Parisian Catacombs. And Katie from Facebook requested this one. So I hope I do it justice. And let's just get right into it. Okay. I like it. Yeah. So Paris is the city of lights, but deep in the darkness beneath the streets in the underground lie hundreds of miles of tunnels that hold the remains of more than 6 million people. These tunnels are dangerous, dark, and largely unmapped, with pitfalls and areas filled with water and discarded remnants of the dead. One could easily become lost in the maze of stones and bones. These areas are restricted from public access for good reason. It has also been rumored that there may be something down in the catacombs that is unseen, and that there are possibly spirits of displaced bones that now reside within the stones. So going back, let's talk about a little history of the catacombs. So Paris and France were covered by a tropical sea millions of years ago. That seabed was covered with sediment and covered over everything with lime and eventually became limestone. Much of Paris was built with limestone and it was harvested from these quarries beneath the city. The mining began as early as the first century AD. Structures like the Louvre, the Notre Dame Cathedral, and the Place de la Concorde were all built with what has been dubbed Paris stone. A few years before the French Revolution, sickness within the city of Paris was killing many people. Poor sanitary conditions, including how the dead were disposed of, led to an outbreak of disease. The cemeteries in Paris were overpopulated, and the result was bodies unearthing themselves and improper burials. Mm-hmm. Um, people who lived near the cemeteries began complaining of the stench, and they claimed oh, they were becoming God. ill. I can only imagine. Yeah. Oof. So, yeah, um, 
something needed to be done, and King Louis XV issued an edict in 1763 banning burials within the city of Paris. That was not just new burials. It was the past burials as well. The church was reluctant to desecrate graves and remove uh, and refused to move any bodies. So nothing was done at the time. Yeah. Tunnels would be mined until they were completely emptied of the limestone. So going back to the limestone and everything, mm-hmm. they began making the catacombs. <laughs> And then the quarries would be abandoned. There were miles of unmapped tunnels beneath the city. And the king decided he needed to figure out a way to fill them up, so to speak. So on April 4th in 1777, Louis the Sixteenth established the Quarries Inspectorate and made it, a res- made it responsible for the renovation of the tunnels. This fell under the office of the police prefect, Lieutenant General Alexander Lenoir. In 1780, a long and heavy rain caused the wall of the largest and oldest cemetery in Paris, Les Innocents, to cave in completely. Oh. So you can probably imagine what's about to happen because bodies were literally stacked. Right. All the way up this wall. And the result was hundreds of rotting corpses flowing out of the cemetery into the city. That's not terrifying at all. No. No. Kind of reminds me of like walking dead things or if you want to go more. The bodies just laying about. Yeah. Or if you want to go more realistic like Hurricane Katrina. Katrina, yes. With the mausoleums and all that. But I mean, at least with Katrina, they were mostly in caskets. It wasn't just bodies open bodies right right, which this was it was just bodies floating around so meh just kidding (laughs) (laughs) whatever Eh. you win some you lose some (laughs) so city officials and the church had no choice but to find an alternative for the bones so lieutenant general lenoir supported the idea of using the abandoned tunnels as ossuaries or graves This macabre task of moving the bodies began in 1786 when the former quarries were blessed and consecrated. So they made it... Holy ground. Holy ground. And the bones were moved under the dark of the night by parades of black cloaked wagons. It took two (laughs) years to transfer all the bones from the Les Innocents Cemetery. You think they would just like do it in the open of day just like, because why people would it want matter? It. well people just wanted it done you right know? get it the hell why out like, at this point we've seen night. them all this time why so. are we hiding this let's just and your do carriages it. are loud on cobble street right okay the black just cloaking isn't hiding much no, no. your so. torches are giving it away people <laughs> <laughs> I, that just seemed weird to me it was like why are you hiding it just yeah you do can get it. this done so much quicker by making this a 24-hour operation yeah <laughs> get in get out get Get in, get out, do it quick. Bring but out your dead. That's what she said. I'm not quite dead yet. <laughs> no, nobody else got that. No, okay. I, I heard we it. Went, yeah. we, we went with Mighty Python. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> so bones were moved from other outer cemeteries as well from the next few decades. New burials were also brought to the tunnels and were now known, the new tunnels were now known as the catacombs. So 
Mm-hmm. They have been dubbed. In the beginning, bones were unceremoniously dumped into the tunnels. In 1810, Louis-Étienne Hertecart de became head of the Paris Mine Inspection Service, and he decided to organize the catacombs. He implemented stacking bones and skulls along the walls, and this same design can be seen today. Which, it is amazing. I mean, I've, I've never been there, obviously, but... The pictures that I've yeah, seen and from watching Indiana Jones and the Last mm-hmm. Crusade. <laughs> but no, I mean, they have bones, like, things are shaped into, like, heart. Yeah, there's right. art to it's it. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. It's not just unthoughtful, just, boom, there you go. They made something that usually would be terrifying into something amazingly beautiful. Exactly. Uh, my friend Victoria went there a couple years ago and brought back this amazing, like, huge book about all the stories. Um, there's stories about bodies that are down there. Yeah. So you get a little background on who's who. Mm-hmm. Um, the ghost stories. Yeah. And um, people who got lost. It, it's a really beautiful book. She let me borrow it. Oh, wow. I was I'm like, I want... That's really the one reason I want to go to Paris and yeah. the Louvre. But... Well, yeah. It'd be an in and out sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Brought back the joke. God damn it. <laughs> Boom. Where were you? <laughs> uh, I was thinking it, but I was like, oh, nobody respected that that's what she said before. But no, Sarah says it. And, uh, uh, God you damn know. It. I'm the fucking Rodney Dangerfield of this podcast. No goddamn respect. Anyway, Sarah, someone's talking, but keep going. <laughs> oh. oh. So anyway, moving on. One of the first visitors was the future king, Charles X, who at the time was the Count of Artois in 1787. Artois. Artois. Sounds like a perfume. Yeah. I just think of the beer. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, Stella yeah, Stella Artois. Artois. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, in 1814, it was felt that the catacombs were fit to be open to the public. I'm not sure why. You know what? People are morbid. Yeah. No, people like it. It's true. (laughs) I would go there. So, uh, many people who came through disrespected the burials and some would take mementos. Of course they did. Obviously. So, it was decided in 1830 to allow only people given special permission to tour the catacombs. The church had not been happy with any of the touring going on, and in 1833, they demanded that the catacombs be closed from public view. Boo. Which I also find kind of strange since the church generally puts, like, their popes and everything on, like, I mean, they're kind of on display anyhow. Uh, the popes? Not the popes, I'm sorry. Oh, well, so... But, I mean... Yeah, people that, that have been granted, hey, you're right. super awesome, here's a mausoleum to right. you, kind of uh, deal. Okay. Isaac Newton and whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, I thought that was a little strange, like but in the I, it makes sense. stuff they like, do anyway in, in London. I don't yeah. know about in France, but in, yeah, in London. Don't do. disrespect the dead, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in 1850, limited visits were open to the public, and those eventually became more often until our present day, which we now have daily tours that last about 45 minutes. So. Which is a shame, because like you said, there's hundreds of miles of right. tunnels. Well, and the, so the tour covers less than two miles. Right. Uh, of the over 200 miles of tunnel. Guests are greeted at the entrance with a sign that says, Halt. This is the realm of death. Hmm. Okay, to the point. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. 
I thought that was kind of you fun. know what to Spooky. expect. Yeah. Ooh, realm of death. Again, graveyards and stuff don't creep me out though. So not at I, all. I, you know, and it's funny. It's like on our page, people talk about all the time. They're like, "Oh, I love cemeteries." Like everybody in our group's like, "Oh, cemeteries are the best." I think yeah. they're so peaceful. Somebody mm-hmm. posted a meme recently on the page that that showed. Uh, it was a realtor that posted a thing in a house that said, "Quiet neighbors across the street," and it's a cemetery <laughs> across the street. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was a real estate agent named Mary, and yeah. it said, Mary is savage. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, I love that. <laughs> Quiet neighbors across the street. I'm like, yeah, they are. Yeah, that's those are the best kind of neighbors. They're deadly silent. Yeah. Wow. Everyone's dying to get in. My, oh, fa- oh, oh. my favorite yeah. cemeteries are when we go on road trips, we like to stop at little towns mm-hmm. and go into their yeah. cemeteries. Fillmore, if people who are listening in Utah, Fillmore, Utah has one of the best, most gorgeous cemeteries, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's... Well, it's just got a lot of history to yeah. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. hands down, the downtown Salt Lake City yeah, I was Cemetery say, is stunning. Locally, yeah. I mean, as far as the beautiful cemeteries go, yeah, the avenues, downtown, the cemetery is incredible, but... Yeah, the, the Fillmore one does have a lot of history to it, and it, it's not huge. It's no. decent size. There's gravestones that are hundreds and hundreds of years old. Well, no, because people haven't been here that long. Okay, so like hundreds. So like, like 150 years old. Okay, so I yeah. added an extra hundred. Yeah, but there's some from like the 1850s and yeah. stuff like that there. That seems hundreds and hundreds to me. That's a long time. I should have said a long, long time ago. In a town far, far, far away. It is far. It feels like it takes right? forever to get to film. It's like two it hours. Like I said, in a town far, far, far away. You guys are dorks. So back to my story. Yes. Sorry. Jeez. So we ended with Halt. This is the realm of death. I just want to get everyone back into that mindset. Mm-hmm. And then in tiny print, it says no restrooms. <laughs> <laughs> no services. Because I guarantee that's the first thing I'm pondering when I'm on the store. Yeah, actually. <laughs> well, moving on. The catacombs are the home to so many dead who died in horrible ways that it only seems natural that spirits would reside here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, people were buried here who died from sickness and natural death, but others included members of the Swiss Guard killed in the storming of the Tuileries Palace on the 10th of August, 1792. There was also a massacre in September, 1792, and those victims were also placed in the catacombs. And there were those killed by the guillotine. They were transferred there from their original berry pits. They There were many bones just dumped without ceremony and burials were desecrated. These all make for a perfect storm of paranormal activity. <laughs> yeah. Just to name a few, legends speak of talking walls within the catacombs. People have ventured beyond the no admittance sign and one urban explorer took a camera with him many years ago. That camera was found laying in the tunnel, but the explorer was nowhere to be seen. The video made it onto TV on the show, Scariest Places on Earth, and features a typical urban exploration video of abandoned tunnels. But the explorer's breathing soon picks up, as does his pace. 
Soon the video drops to the ground and the explorer is seen running from the camera. The camera continues to run until it runs out of tape and battery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I first heard about this video, I was like, mm, sounds really like fake. set up and fake. Yeah, yeah. Right. And to be honest, watching it, because I did, I watched it. I watched the link to the scariest places on earth. And it's pretty funny because it's actually narrated by the little lady from Poltergeist. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's just creepy right yeah. there. So like, she's got that kind of squeaky one, like, voice. And Caroline, all that. you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she no, narr- that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I practiced that. That was good. Yeah. But no, she totally narrates it. And just watching it, you don't get, it, it's just kind of, it's so raw. It's like, this guy was scared, and I mean, they never found him. Yeah. Or I mean, maybe because he got supposedly. Lost. I mean, he got lost and died. Possibly. Or I mean, he could have escaped and just never admitted it was him. I don't know. The other thing I heard that I didn't mention in here was, you know, they talk about the walls speaking, but he, you can actually hear him in the video talking and like answering, and it sounds like like he's talking to himself and answering in turn. Uh huh. And again, it's just, it's like, I'm a, I'm a pretty big skeptic on stuff like that. It's like, especially after seeing like paranormal activity, it's like, oh, this is all set up, but it, it kind of seems legit. It's pretty spooky. I mean, watch it for yourself, decide for yourself, but it's like, hmm, that's weird. Anyway, we'll post the video. Yeah. I've got the link. So there were also claims that necromancy and dark black magic rituals have been performed in some of the tunnels. Of course. You gotta love some necromancy. Oh, yeah. So, you know, possibly conjured something evil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a man named Philibert Espar was the doorkeeper at the Val de Grace Hospital in Paris during the French Revolution. In November of 1793, he decided to venture into the catacombs to find a hidden stock of liquor, something I would also do. Yeah, <laughs> I hear there's booze, but there's dead bodies. But there's booze. But booze. That's how you would get Sarah and I to go really anywhere. <laughs> I'd be like, it's cool. I'm fine. And even if I was still on the fence, just throw in some tacos. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's the. Dunsey. Yeah. That's the. Uh, that's the and ringer. And booze. All right. So apparently there was a passage from the hospital that led directly to a tunnel of the catacombs. And he used that to enter the ossuary. He carried one candle. He decided one candle was sufficient. Just one. Which probably went out pretty quickly. Um, within a couple hundred miles, or with a couple hundred miles of the serpentine tunnels, mm-hmm. it's easy to believe that Philibert became lost. People know that he died down there because 11 years later, his remains were found in one of the galleries and identified by the key ring of the Val de Grace he carried. He also had a bottle of liquor nearby. So <laughs> at least he found his booze, right? Hey. Um, the tragedy of this was very near an exit. Oh. Like a huge bummer. Yeah. He was buried where he was found. And his epitaph reads, The memory of Philibert Espar, lost in this query on November 3rd, 1793. Found 11 years later. And buried at the same place on April 30th, 1804. So, little side note, on the 3rd of November every year, it is said that his ghost appears in the galleries of the catacombs. Oh. Yeah. 
(laughs) (laughs) Another little thing. So Zach Baggins from the television show Ghost Adventures. Hold on. No, that's a hobbit. (laughs) No, isn't that Bilbo? I I was like, (laughs) it's a cousin. I was like, it's Bilbo's cousin. Did I write down the wrong name? There's Bilbo, there's Frodo, (laughs) and and Zach. Zach. Yeah. (laughs) He's the forgotten cousin. So he's twice removed. This hobbit once visited the catacombs on his own, which is pretty brave for a hobbit. Right? Hey, they're they're brave little... (laughs) Brave! Yeah. They're brave little creatures. (laughs) So, during this investigation, he caught a female voice talking and laughing. There was also an apparition that appeared as a glowing mist moving from one of the cameras. Mm. The misty figure appears to be wearing a cloak. So maybe she was a hobbit too. Well, okay, yeah, there you go. Just another <laughs> side note: people claim to hear voices, feel as though they're being followed, and some even claim that something tried to strangle them. Ghost lights and misty f- images have been captured on film often. I wonder if it's like hu- I bet it's probably kind of humid in there, and I wonder if it's like the humidity. If it's it's causing like will o wisps or whatever, right. yeah, will o the wisp. How do you say that? If it's something like that, that's maybe causing something to that effect. I don't know. I just, I feel like in a place that is already so innately creepy, you're just going to be creeped out. Right. And even if there's nothing down there, like with the guy with the camera and exploring, like, I would creep myself out if I was right. down there by myself. Oh, totally. You get in your own head. Yeah. I would get in my own head and within 20 minutes, I'd be like, nope, peace, I'm done. Like, I would hear anything. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know who, you know. So, we have another account that was told by a Reddit poster named Sunny Bravo. Which means it's legit if it was on Reddit. Totally legit. (laughs) Yeah. But I thought it was interesting. So, what he said was, my girlfriend went there a few years ago, but she was only allowed to go in the safe areas. She said she heard a lot of weird noises and footsteps, but was only there for two days. Okay. She she's not a girl to get scared by the paranormal either. But she told me the tour guide said that if you go past the tourist safety areas that you're on your own. I asked her if there was any serious danger in those areas that you couldn't go in. And she said, yes, there is. I asked, would it be wise to go near these points? And she said, no, it's not. You can easily easily get lost. And if you don't know where you're going, you'll probably die down there. Which, mm-hmm. I mean... But hey, go right ahead. Go in, tour. Yeah. Take one candle with you. It's proven to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, you find booze, so it does You'll work. find booze and die. Uh, my biggest problem with that story is the idea of somebody who posts on Reddit yeah. having a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to have so many listeners I know, who are Reddit I people. Know. I'm pretty sure we should just go ahead and discount that. I can't look at Reddit because it looks like something early from the 90s. It totally out and everything. It, it like aesthetically, it hurts my I can't eyes. handle it. But Brett looks at it all the time and he loves it. Brett? Really? Brett reads Reddit. Brett, yeah, Brett loves Reddit. Brett's my husband. Brett curmudgeon. He's a total conspiracy theory. There's a ton on there, so I can get that. Yeah. 
Oh my god, yeah, I can see him going down the rabbit hole of Reddit. Okay. He usually goes with the humorous, like, cat videos and stuff. Oh, how come I cannot picture (laughs) Brett watching cat videos? With his funny, like, no no facial expression and his laugh, he's like... He's just sitting there straight-faced doing a... (laughs) (laughs) He'll just, like, hand it to me and let me look at it, and he's all, funny. (laughs) Okay, so so real quick, I, I text my friend Victoria. Yeah. And I asked her about what the what it was like yeah. under there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she says, because I asked, was it humid? And she says, yeah, it is. There is water in some parts of it, and yeah. then the humidity often forms little droplets, and they would sometimes fall from the ceiling. Oh, that's you. not creepy. So that's even scary. Yeah, but no, I mean, adding to your own imagination. It's yeah. dark. Mm-hmm. Something drops on you. In my right. head, that's like... Somebody grabbing you. Somebody just grabbed me. I gotta go. Right. Like, it's uh, probably blood. Yeah. So this is kind of to another note. I thought this story was pretty cool. So in 2004, Parisian police were assigned to do a training exercise in the previously uncharted part of the catacombs of Paris beneath the Palais de Chalot. Entering the catacombs through a drain, officers first came across a sign that read, Building Site No Access. And a bit further in, there was a camera that actively recorded images of those who passed. As the officers approached the camera, a recording of dogs barking was triggered. Hmm. Yeah. So to continue, the police descended deeper into the tunnels and discovered a 500 square meter cavern with a fully equipped cinema. It included a giant cinema screen, projection equipment, chairs, and a handful of films. Films from noir classics to recent thrillers. Someone had turned this abandoned underground cavern into a secret amphitheater. That's awesome. Oh my Aside gosh. Aside from this, in the next room, police discovered a fully stocked bar and restaurant. Complete oh, with tables yes. and chairs. They've got a fucking speakeasy movie yeah. theater. Sarah, this is something you and I would do. Oh right? my God, that is brilliant. The discovery left the police befuddled. <laughs> not to mention the professional installation of electricity and three phone lines. Oh, wow. So this thing was legit. Kudos to However, them. However, oh. three days later, police returned with experts from the French Board of Electricity to try and figure out where the power was coming from. The cables had been cut and a note was left lying on the floor that read, do not try and find us. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings me to my next topic, which are, there are people called cataphiles. Cataphiles? Yeah. So these are people who the, okay. So the definition I got of cataphiles are, Urban explorers who illegally tour the mines of Paris. Okay. So, the entrance to the mines is restricted and only a small portion is open to the public, which precisely, the whole thing, it's 280 kilometers, 170 miles in length, which I've heard it's up to 400 miles. I've heard it as small as... Right. There's a lot of space down there. There is a lot of space, yeah. So, apparently... There are secret entrances throughout Paris, and it is sometimes possible to enter the mines via the sewers, metro, and certain manholes. Some unofficial visitors hold keys to certain official entrances. 
On rare occasions, people use these access points and illegally enter the mines. For example, to meet clandestinely, to hold unusual parties, or simply to be urban explorers. I like the idea of unusual parties. Yeah. yeah. I immediately, my brain goes to eyes wide shut. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just something super bizarre. Like. So after the discovery of the secret cinema, a man named Patrick Alk, who was a photographer and who was close to the group of cataphiles responsible, said the discovery was a shame, but not the end of the world. There are dozens of other meeting places just like the one the police discovered in the mysterious labyrinth. He concluded by saying, you guys have no idea what's going on down there. Oh. And I pictured him smoking a cigarette when he says yeah, this. Yeah, for sure, too. with like a really good mustache. Yes. And a beret, probably. Yes. yes. Yep. You have no idea. <laughs> and a baguette. Going on. And a baguette in his other hand, yeah. <laughs> chomping on a baguette. <laughs> And there's somewhere a bottle of wine. I don't know how it fits into Oh, there's into definitely a, a bottle of red He's wine. He's dipping oh, the baguette into the bottle wine. of wine. <laughs> dipping the baguette in the wine. <laughs> wow. That, that just actually... got so stereotyped I right there. I know, and that, that sounds amazing. amazing to me. Right? You're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so the last bit on cataphiles, they often de- descend for a day, a night, or perhaps a week to explore, photograph, paint murals, create maps, clean up rooms, and dig ventilation channels, because why wouldn't you? So they're adding to the catacombs here. Exactly. Okay. So a little side note, I found it was actually kind of hard to find some stories, like ghost stories or personal experiences, because most people entering are entering illegally, so they Mm -hmm. don't post them because they don't want to get in trouble. Right, or nobody believes it. Nobody believes them, they're discredited, it's hard to... I have a friend who totally went into the catacombs. So my friend's cousin's niece right. knows this guy. Like, right. But I mean, I thought that was pretty interesting. Like the cinema story was probably my favorite. That's fucking awesome. Like three it's phone like lines. Gorilla. Right. What, I don't know what you would call that. Yeah. It's just fucking awesome. Yeah. That's what it is. With a restaurant and a bar. Yeah. Restaurant, bar, a, a theater. Yeah. They're fucking rad. Yeah. These people so. are. These, yeah that's fucking awesome yeah so what are you doing with your life <laughs> you know, you're not thing. building a cinema in the catacombs you're not building a yeah, secret speakeasy can we start a speakeasy sarah <sighs> yeah i feel both our degrees will go i just got creeped out by the cat <laughs> <laughs> no i get it loki's creepy <laughs> it just startled me as i moved all night anyway that was awesome yeah that's- so there are two movies um, catacombs, which Eric and I saw, which was not very good. I don't remember that. But That's I probably, how bad it was. Yeah. And then a more recent one, a couple years ago. So, um, as above, so below. Okay. Oh yeah. But in 2015, and I don't know if they're still doing it. They may be. I'm not onto it that much. But Airbnb did <gasps> a stop. Yeah. No, they did a spend the night in the catacombs. It was like on Halloween. I would be up for it. I don't know if they're still doing it or if it was kind of a one-time thing. I think that'd be rad. Oh, I would do it. Yeah. 
with 30 of my other friends. Right. As long as I'm not down there <laughs> by yourself by myself. with no lights. I can't yeah. remember if it was by a yourself or one night person. Vision. You get one candle. <laughs> you get one <laughs> candle. No, I swear, like, night vision's even worse. Like, if you had... Oh, oh night vision no, would like fuck Putting it all up. into tunnel vision and everything <laughs> right? blows all weird. And yeah. Like, I don't even like looking at my baby monitor because it's spooky. <laughs> the minute his eyes open, they're glowing. Right? I'm like, ah! Demon child. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, so mm-hmm. I hope I did it justice, Katie. Thank but, you for the suggestion. Yeah, you did a great Katie. job. Yeah. yeah, you did it. You really killed it. That was great. Yeah, so fun. Such a good topic. Yeah, good I want to go there now. I had heard, Let's and do I don't it. know how much there's truth yeah. to this or not, but I'd heard that the catacombs are also partially responsible for the fact that, uh, that that the city of Paris doesn't really have very many tall buildings. That they can't oh. because they can't support For it. The way yeah. the way because of all the tunnels underneath yeah. the the city everywhere. Because the tunnels, I mean, it's layers. It's not just one layer yeah, no, of tunnels. Layers. There are three and four layers deep of tunnels. Right. So yeah, the ground is not stable enough to be able to yeah. handle a skyscraper of any kind in Paris. They don't really Makes have very. Sense. The only tall building to speak of is Eiffel. the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. There you go. I wanted to get in on that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. And yeah. to all of our listeners, thank you so much. It was kind of a longer episode, but I like it. And our listeners tend to like those. Sorry, guys. Thanks. I talk a lot. Thanks for working with us through our <laughs> mispronunciations and slurs and problems. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sorry, guys. I tried my best with all the, the French words and Paris talk. You know what? I don't speak any French. so no. it sounded my, legit. It, yeah, yeah, you sounded legit to me. Mine yeah. were all English words and I had trouble. <laughs> At least mine was a weird Australian word that I couldn't, that I had trouble pronouncing. But I have two canker sores that are like right there. Oh, so when you talk, worst. it hurts. Uber bad. <laughs> I just want to like, start talking like Steve Irwin now, but no. Crikey. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That Yarma. Oh, great. Now I can't say it again. Yarma Yahweh is a, she's a beaut. Yeah. Yeah. She's a beaut. Oh, she's a beaut. She's a beaut. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible. You don't want to walk under that fig tree. Again, if anybody wants to become a patron, where can they find us, Mary? Um, On Podbean. Yeah, and they can go to mmmpodcast.podbean.com. Yep. And uh, there's a become a patron on there or on the app, as Mary mentioned. So you can become a patron on there. We have four options now, or you can custom do an amount if you want to, with different perks coming with different levels. Yes, join the Facebook group. And if you're in the group and you want to talk about things that are bugging you as far as mental illness... Join the widow, widows. Not the widows one. Don't don't do that one. We don't have that one. Join the weirdos with issues. Um, let's just end it. Right. Say bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Guys. bye. <laughs>